Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports. Pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of, they have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Well, so again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Honestly, I'm a little bit triggered right now that the fact that Vandy was able to send a football several states away to get to you, and we don't have a fucking center at Bama that can snap it four yards. So other than that, doing well. That That is – I was going to ask you, though, Chris, the the grieving process for a Alabama fan, Chris Marler. I mean, do you not just go back and watch highlights of the, the six other national titles that Nick Saban has won? I mean, is it is it is there is there a whole lot of grieving there or – 
So, or do you just you just get in fights on X with Georgia fans? Like, how, how's that coping process? Dumbest, dumbest fucking fan base. <laughs> this this entire weird narrative and and like take that people are having that like Georgia would have beaten Michigan or Florida State would have beaten Michigan. First off, saying anything publicly after losing by sixty points, and I mean anything publicly, is a bold move. Um, yeah, it just cracks me up though. This idea, I mean, like it, maybe Georgia would have, I don't know, but I do know they they didn't beat the team that lost to Michigan. So weird, weird flex. Um, the grieving process, I my mom used to always joke about around about this because she would say, you know, you've gotten older, you like are a lot more mature, you handle like Bama losses a lot better. I was like, no, mom, like when I was growing up, Bama sucked, so I was always upset, like they just don't lose anymore. Um, I don't know, man. This this team was a lot of fun to watch. I think I was really sad as, as when it was over because it ended so abruptly, and it was like the the end of like the season. I I feel like I had like my best and favorite year that I've had professionally and personally, all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of came to an end. But I mean, tremendous season. Lots to lots to be proud of for for that team. And I, you know, it just it sucks. Yeah, and I want to start there too. Happy New Year, Chris, and congratulations to you guys over at Saturday Down South. Yourself personally with College Football Uncensored, all the great, the other great successes that you had in 2023, many more in 2024 and well deserved. Uh, let's get right into it though. The Rose Bowl. I mean, obviously it was a classic down to the wire, goes to overtime. Your just initial thoughts and impressions. I mean, obviously it's a disappointing finish. I, I still went on record, Chris, and said that I thought. This was Saban's best coaching job because Alabama obviously had deficiencies and some yeah. holes, and maybe more that they had had in quite some time. I mean, the offensive line giving up the most sacks it had in 35 years, I think I read somewhere. So your thoughts, did anything surprise you on how the game played out or, or, or what happened uh, Monday night in the ballgame? It, it kind of felt like – because I was pretty arrogant – towards Michigan fans just for the sake of, of hating the Big Ten Michigan fans, right? Like, I was very aware that that was a very good football team they were about to play. And I remember saying, I don't know if it was on here or if it was on somewhere else, but I was like, I feel like Bama fans are going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening in the first half because they're not going to realize how physically talented this this team is. Um, I mean, they, they just – there's a reason why they ranked in the top five in like 20-something categories uh, this season – but you know, I was really impressed with Michigan. It was it felt like you showed up either like you woke up late for a test or you showed up to a fight and you like square up to like to to throw a punch and then you realize the dude's got cauliflower ear and he's throwing he's just throwing kicks as well. Cause it was like they had no answer for anything in the first half. Like like people kept talking about how bad the play calling was, and then you look at it and you're like, they didn't have his first Milrose first six dropbacks, they had four sacks. It just it didn't seem like in the first half they had any kind of answer. They felt like it was – I don't know if it was unprepared, but they were out-schemed and out-coached and out-played. And then you get to the second half and you, you get a lot of momentum and you put yourself in the best possible scenario for a, a, usually a Saban and Bama team where you have a touchdown lead with four minutes to go and, like, your defense has got to get, you know, a stop. And I think what was deflating about it was, like, I didn't mind the play call in, in overtime at all. I, I thought I, I liked what they did with Jalen Milrow. They, maybe they could have given him like a pass option as well, the run pass. But he's he's earned that for one, and he's also the best athlete on the field. So I, I didn't mind that at all. The usage of like the 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 what do you call it? Um, the skill position players, um, like Roydell Williams, had 16 carries against Georgia. He only had six. Or I'm sorry, he he never had less than six in any game of the season. He had one carry the whole game. That you had a true freshman running back come in and get carries. It just was very confusing. 
But, you know, you in the second half when you have 12 plays for 24 yards, that's, that's what the defense allowed against Michigan. Michigan had six carries for negative two yards, Chris. Six carries for negative two yards going into the last four minutes in that final drive. And then when they got the ball, their last 10 plays in, in the fourth and overtime, they gained 100 yards and scored two touchdowns. So it's like you just can't win like that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chris, I'm sure you've gotten this question a lot this season, but again, you watched that game on Monday and it just reinforced the issues on the offensive line for Alabama. But how does a team like Alabama, a program like Alabama that recruits the way they do, how do you have those kind of issues? You mentioned it. How do you have a center that can't snap the football? And is it, I mean, it's as simple as fix the offensive line, but I mean, how do they do that? Because I don't think talent's the issue, right? No, talent's not. I mean, that has been one of the main pieces to, to these teams for a long time i think there was up until last year they had five five or six straight seasons where they had an offensive lineman and a skill position player drafted in the first round you know like i don't know they haven't always been great in the nfl but they've been very very good in college and, and they recruit you know five stars everywhere and so to see the pff grades for the blocking like i mean dude they gave up 49 sacks this year which ranks 129th in the country out of 133 teams and you know they had gelled a little bit as of late in the year and, and, and they'd played a lot better as a unit, but it, it just, you know, it, it looked as sloppy as it could have when they, when they needed that not to happen the most. Um, I don't know how you fix it. I, <laughs> I don't know how you fix it. Um, they, it's not like you can bring in even more talent. And a lot of these kids are like the top ranked player at their position or in the country um, at, at, at the offensive line position or offensive tackle position. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but it's, it is mind blowing to watch that this is that this big of a drop off over the last three or four years. Chris Jalen Milrow in that game, 16 to 23, 116 yards passing, uh, had the fumble, did not throw an interception, no touchdown passes. What's the confidence level in him going into next year? I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, when he steps on the field, he's the best athlete on the field. I, I think definitely could take strides as a passer. Yeah. Your overall feelings on him, because Alabama is going to be very talented, but you know as well as I do to win a national championship 
you, you just got to have that guy under center. But here's the thing, too. I think that he is he, – maybe he's limited in versus – or in comparison to, like, the other quarterbacks in the playoff because it's a, it's a really good batch of quarterbacks that are in those final four teams. But this idea that Jalen Milrow is to blame at all for, for that game – like first thing I said, six dropbacks, four sacks. Mm-hmm. Dude was running for his life the entire game. So I don't I don't know what you do to to get like I mean like the confidence level for me going in the offseason. He's the guy. Like, this is his first year starting. He a new OC that is like young, not, not in his first year as an OC, but he's young. Um, and then you talk about the fact that like they're trying to get all this gel together. It, 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 it took you know a quarter of the way through the season for them to even figure out like what their identity was going to be from a, like a, a starter standpoint. And then it wasn't like they unveiled the entire playbook until the LSU game where they started letting him run finally. I think he came into his own in, in the last month of the season. And like what you want out of out of a quarterback more than anything is a leader is a leader. And he is the the leader in that locker room. I think the team kind of goes as he goes sometimes, and or for most of the time. I, if anyone else steps like under center or steps on the field next year at quarterback, I'm going to be fucking irate. If Tyler Buckter is even in the stadium, I'll lose my mind. But I, I just, I think that he, he had a really, really good season. He did not play well. It didn't have his best game against Michigan. I mean, but that's also a really, really good team that like, I mean, dude, they've given up over 200 yards passing twice all season. Like they've, they've given up seven total touchdown passes on the year. Like it's a really, really good defense. And he, you know, he struggled. Chris, there was one drive specifically where I think there were like two or three bad snaps in a row. What what was the roller coaster of emotions like for you watching that? It I'm like I'm trying not to like slander this kid because I it, he he has the yips, obviously. Like and I've I've played baseball most of my life and I totally get it. And you know, I, it happens like it's a mental block or something like that. It can't happen. It can't fucking happen, and especially at that stage. And and that's one of the things I was pretty cr- like critical about Bama on all year is, regardless of what it was, there was always something it seemed like that would rear its ugly head that that made made me feel like this team was like good and overcoming a lot of their flaws, but never elite. And I tell you what, man, you you're lucky to be close in that game in the first half. Like you had 38 total yards, and 34 of them came on on one touchdown run. They get a field goal late at the end of the first half, get some momentum, and then they come out of the, the locker room making adjustments, and that's all you can ask for from Bama because they've done it all year. Like, get to the locker room, make adjustments, and go win a fucking ball game. And I think they gained like 30 yards in the first two plays. They crossed midfield, and sure as shit, this, we, we, we snap all at his feet and then snap one over his head, and we lose like 29 yards in the first you know two plays. It just – it is – at every moment that felt like it was critical, it it not having the confidence that you're even going to be able to begin the play that you're calling in an efficient way. It's like if you were if you were a chef on fucking Top Chef, and all you had to do was turn the oven on, and you couldn't do it, it just you're, for whatever reason. It is it was so fucking like very difficult to watch. 
Chris, to the rest of the SEC bowl season, which teams impress you most? Obviously, Missouri got that big one over Ohio State, Ole Miss over Penn State, and they've got so much momentum going into 2024. Uh, Tennessee and Nico, I heard you talking about it this morning on Crane and Company about you think they could be a sleeper for the 12-team yeah. playoff, which I agree with you. Just your top takeaways, if you will, from the SEC bowl season. I mean, Georgia played pretty well. Um, <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that was something. Um no, I thought, I thought it was a really good – like, this has been considered a down year by for the SEC by, like, everyone, right? I I, I still think that top to bottom, I think the Pac-12 is probably the best conference in college football this year. But this was considered a down year by, for the SEC and, and, like, how it wasn't that deep, they weren't that good. And then you finish bowl season with, you know, I think it was four 11-win teams, which is incredible. Ole Miss, Mizzou, um, like I said, Bama and Georgia – I thought that I think Tennessee, like the bowl game is whatever. I think that going into next year, they're going to be, a, they're going to be dangerous for sure. Um, I will say that the biggest takeaway I had, I, I don't know if this even answers the question, but the craziest thing I, I saw from a stat, like, like from a stat wise, the big 10 came into bowl season with the top four ranked scoring defense in the country. They had five in the top 20 and they had four of the top five, um, what do you call it? defenses in terms of yards per game or yards uh, per game allowed, right? Just elite, like four in the top five in both categories. Ohio State, their game against Mizzou, they scored three points, the lowest they've they've scored in seven years. Penn State gave up the most points and the most uh, yards they've given up in any game all season when they played Ole Miss, gave up 540 yards. Uh, Wisconsin gave up the most points and most yards they've given up all season in any game to LSU. It's a top 20 defense for them. Um, and I'm missing one. Oh, Iowa. Iowa gave up 35 points, uh, which is the most they give up all season. So, like, the what they were able to do, I think, against good competition, ranked competition, top to bottom, was really impressive from the SEC. And speaking on teams, Chris, that aren't in the SEC yet, but will be in just a couple months, Oklahoma and Texas, they both lose their bowl games, but both yeah. had pretty solid seasons. Your, your thoughts on them now was – you know, we start to we're, we're going to get a lot of way too early 2024 stuff. Yours truly included. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts now on now that it's a reality that's right in front of us, how Texas and Oklahoma are set up to succeed or or maybe take some lumps in that first year. So it'll be interesting to see who all comes back for Texas, like what, what the offense is going to look like. I'd say the, the thing that surprised me the most from them this year is because I, I've said for two years in a row now, I thought they were going to like make the jump and they finally, you know, get to the playoff this year. But in the two losses they had against Washington and, and, and OU, you can kind of put it on Sarkeesian. Like, he's, I say he's the best offensive mind in the game at any level. But in both those games, you had the ball inside the, the five-yard line at the end of the game or 10-yard line at the end of the game with at least three calls that like in your back pocket and you come up short. So that's a little bit concerning. Um, OU, that fan base, Arrogant is putting it kindly. They they are. I hope they're in for a rude awakening. I think it'll be interesting to see Jackson Arnold and what he's able to do. Um, you know, very very overconfident. I think. Um, and if you would have told me that the cocky one was going to be Oklahoma, I would have probably thought you were you were crazy. I do think Texas set up long term for success better, just because I think like you saw them this year how good they played on defense and they were a more complete team. And you know, and now that we're in NIL, man, like it's not going to go away. They they are going to have money. And bags being thrown at these recruits constantly, like they they will never be, I, I think, non relevant in this era ever again. 
Chris Marler, Saturday Down South. Chris, one last thing. We'll get you out of here. National championship game officially set. It is Michigan, who you just saw against the Washington Huskies and Michael Penix Jr., who I think is just a wizard back there at the quarterback position. Your thoughts on the ball game? It feels like two contrasting styles maybe with Michigan being run game defense and then Washington, this high-flying offense. Your thoughts on how it will play out next Monday night? You know, I, I, honestly, it's, it's the second time in 18 years there's not going to be an SEC team in, so it feels a little bit weird, right? Like, this is, like, in our job especially, it's it feels like the end of the season, but there's still one more game left. Like, we're about to go record a, a preview pod in, like, two hours. I'm like, what the hell? Um, I think it's a great matchup, man. I, I think it's a great matchup. It might not seem that way. People are going to think it's just, like, you know, like like you said, contrasting styles. Washington has, has been doubted all year, and it sounds stupid because they're 14-0, and but, like, they – it's a, it's a lot like TCU last year. Like they, all they've done is win games. They might have been closer than than people may have liked, but all they've done is beat ranked teams and win games over and over. Like disrespected, I feel like almost every time they were in a big moment. When you talk about Oregon beating Oregon and then being a ten point underdog the next time you play Oregon and beating them again, you're an underdog against Texas. You got to go all the way down to New Orleans to go play them, which is a much easier trip for Texas. Um, I really like that that team, man. They're, they, they're good up front. They've got legit NFL talent receiver. And Penix has been incredible to watch. And, and just the way he's able to evade the rush and still get the ball out is incredible. Michigan is, is a is a fucking beast, man. They are they are legit. They are like really, really legit. And I I, I hate I hated having to be proven wrong seeing that, but it was the thing that, that made me that blew me away the most about Michigan it had nothing to do with the talent or like you know, Blake Corm or JJ McCarthy, they were they were one step ahead of Alabama for most of that game from a coaching standpoint, like from the coordinator standpoint. And they were much more creative in their play calling and play design than I ever thought they would be. I thought it was like a 1970s, three yards of a cloud of dust bullshit. When you combine that and uh, all the talent they have in that roster, I, I think Michigan's going to win because that just kind of feels like they're on a mission from, I don't know, the whatever Jim Harbaugh believes in. But um, I I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Michigan's going to win. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Michigan feels like the Houston Astros of college football. That's that's kind of – I've been going back to that. It just – Connor Stallions is in the fucking type. stadium yeah. at the Rose Bowl. Unreal. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't – it's <laughs> – it's they they beat Bama now, so like it's it's that part's over. I'm not going to sit here and shit on them anymore because like, I tell you what, man. Like all jokes aside, like I felt like they kind of skated or, or kind of whistled through the graveyard to get there, but they are every bit of deserving as, as a top four team. That's for sure. 
Chris Marler, one of the best in the business. Chris, always appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Y'all keep up the great work and look forward to having many electric conversations with you in 2024, my friend. I appreciate you. Thanks, dude. Yeah, man. We'll talk soon. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.